Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Labelled Podcast. I am Lucy, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. Hello, Alice. Hello, Lucy. How are you? I'm all right. Thank well, I say I'm all right. It's been a bit traumatic this morning, dyed my hair, and for some reason, the hair dyes made me look like a greasy chip. <laughs> um, I don't quite know what's happened. Never normally just that, but yeah, it's just decided. Here's some really greasy hair. So uh, yeah, the colour's um, good though. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've I've said to you before. I think you are a a bigger woman than I am to keep staying with red. It's just so much upkeep. I feel like you you dye your hair and two days later you're a bit kind of orange. So. I have. Um, much more patience than I do for it. I have been every colour under the sun, and I've settled on red because. It just suits me. It does. It looks lovely. Uh, and I um, yeah, I have I have deviated into other colours. I did say to my mum once, I think I want to dye my hair brown, and she just looked at me as if say, uh, no, no, why would you want brown hair? It's just boring I, and normal. See, I do. I dye my hair a darker shade of brown than I than is my natural colour. Right. Okay. Because my I always describe my hair as just kind of stick brown. Yeah. Underneath this, my hair is like a muddy stick brown. Yeah. Um, yeah, and with an increasing number of greys as well. Which <laughs> I'm, you see, I'm nobody will ever up. know whether I go grey because I have to dye it so often. It's like, oh, you can't see anything. I've been going grey since I was seventeen. So, yeah. Well, at least it wasn't when you met me. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> there has been a sort of significant increase in the last few years. Not at all. Do you want to introduce today's guest, Alice? Yes, I will introduce today's guest. I'm really excited to have our guest on today. Um, so our guest today is named Jaina Mystery, and some of you out there may know her from a fabulous little documentary that she recorded um, with Martin Clunes, all about her guide dog, Laura. Um, Jaina and I live in the same county, and I suspect over the years have probably been wrangled into the same fundraising events um so it's really you've exciting. probably been stood in a car park at the same time I absolutely shaking yeah. buckets at other end of an asda yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah it's really nice to have jana here today um as soon as i finished crying after watching the martin clunes documentary i said i have to get jana on to come and talk about having a dog and all the bits and pieces other bits and pieces that jana's doing so jana mm. would you like to say hello to our listeners Hi both, it's so lovely to be on the show. Thank you so much for joining thank us, Jenna. Yeah, it's great to speak to you. Oh, thanks for having me today. I'm really excited for today's conversation. I'm so glad. I'm really pleased. Um it's nice to have somebody excited to meet us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if um, if the rest of the world could take note, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Just applause as I walk down the street. Yeah, that'd be lovely, flowers. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, or I've great. listened to your podcast. A lot of people doing that would be great. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, Jaina, for the people out there who didn't see your documentary with Martin Clunes, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what happened there and where your uh, dog, Laura, has gone? Yes. Oh, it was such an amazing thing to film. But I'll, I'll start off with how it all began, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, 2021, uh, Laura turned 11 and she retired, uh, had to hang up a harness, which was a really tough time for me because it was a moment where I'd lost my independence um, within an instant, really, and had to learn to adapt. So um, as a way of sort of coping with her retirement, I decided to do some uh, fundraising as a tribute to Laura. Um, So we did lots of fundraising for guide dogs um and then we were invited to do an interview on bbc radio 4's life changing with jane garvey where i spoke about our journey and how laura had changed my life and also spoke about how laura had retired and we were looking for a new home for her and little did i realize that martin clune just happened to be listening and he emailed the studio and said we'd love to offer laura a retirement home wow. that's amazing uh, i didn't know were you that. like were I... you like actual is this actual proper martin clunes yeah <laughs> I, just... I was in shock i couldn't believe it i was like really and then yeah. i looked at the emails like this is martin clunes yeah oh my god <laughs> so um yeah we we um connected and then we organized to um do a sort of trial sleepover the following year in 2022 so we then went down to dorset um, met the family, met the other dogs. He had four other dogs um, wow. at that time. Uh, lived on a beautiful farm with lots of animals. And uh, Laura loved it. Lots of free space, countryside, more than what I'd ever imagined for Laura. I, I always imagined her going to a family with dogs, uh, but this was everything and more. And that's when I decided this is the perfect home for her. Um, Wonderful. And then after that, you know, the documentary came about, we thought, well, this is such a inspiring story. Let's make a documentary out of it. Mm. So that's what we did um, on ITV. And we started filming this time last year. And it was quite an interesting process because it's something I'd never done before. Um, it meant sort of cameras being around and being recorded every time. And uh, I loved it though. It was quite an emotional roller coaster because mm. it was sharing your personal story and the letting go of Laura. That was probably the toughest part. And yeah. But I wanted to show that. It's the reality of what a lot of guide are going go through mm. when it's sort of time. No, Alice, you could probably relate to that. Um, yeah, I mean, we were very fortunate. Um, my, my first dog, Lola, retired um, around... It would have been a similar around time when to, we started the podcast. I think it was, it was a little bit after that, so it was a similar yeah. time. I think to Laura, it was uh, mm. sort of early, like late spring. I think twenty twenty, uh, twenty was it twenty twenty one? And um, but we were. I'm fortunate enough that uh, my husband is sighted and works at home full time, so we were able to keep Lola. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she became our pet. Um, and yeah, so just sort of, she, she, she had very much decided already that she was retiring. Um, so (laughs) it was quite an easy transition for her. Um, 
what was a bit strange for me i don't know how long you were without a dog because i know that we in the documentary we see you training with your new dog um i was i was only without a dog for six or seven months i was quite fortunate um yeah um and then um it was sort of that was the the biggest kind of wrench really for me in terms of that retirement journey was was the the losing my independence and having to start using a cane again which i hated yeah i learned um, so much about like le the difference between using a cane and using a dog through alice really we sat and we actually did a podcast episode about it didn't we alice mm. and it i learned so much about um how alice sort of negotiated life with a dog and how you know the differences um yeah. between the two it's it was a real eye-opener for me um and i think it it's it's it was great that your documentary about laura could also sort of open you know the, the viewer's eyes to your documentary as well because it's something that i think not a lot of people think about if you are a sighted person you you're not necessarily going to think about what happens when a guide dog retires on a regular basis so i think that was yeah that is, is a really was a really great opportunity that you sort of took hold of there definitely i mean i was um without a guide dog well i had laura but she'd retired for two years so it was two years yeah. before i was actually partnered and i did feel that more sort of awareness and education for the public around how guide dog retirement works was essential because yes. it's part of the journey isn't it as a pup mm. right the way through to their working life to retirement it's just as important for people to understand that part of the process too and i do feel uh, like you say the documentary touched on that really well mm. and offered people um, um a fresh kind of insight into what actually happens uh, when your dog retires so yeah. um Laura worked up until the age of 11 and we were mm -hmm. together for 10 years. So it was a long, strong, successful partnership. And um, your first dog is always kind of like your baby, always your number oh. one. Uh <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't, I, before, before Lola retired and I got Dora, I couldn't comprehend that. I was like, I've always been a dog lover. So I was like, I mean, I love all my dogs, you know, but, yeah. and, you know, I feel particularly guilty saying this as Dora is currently sitting under <laughs> my desk, but nothing's ever going to touch Lola. She was, yeah, you know, who she was, her personality was incredible. Like Dora's got a very sweet, gentle little personality, but Lola was mad as shit. She was absolutely nuts <laughs> and she got me into so much trouble and she opened the world up for me. And I think... Hmm you know, in terms of my confidence and my actual getting out in the world, it, it is, it is life changing. Um, it, you know, changed the, my whole perspective on the world. And I don't think, as you say, she was, she, I felt like she was like an, a little part of me and an extension of me in a way that I don't necessarily feel that same connection with Dora. Mm. Oh, completely. I completely understand that. Yes, because your first dog is is a dog that changed your life forever. Really, mm. like you say, it opened up a whole new kind of world, and it's that special connection that you'll always have with her. Um, yeah. And I actually, because I was I had such a strong connection with Laura when I was um, being matched with new dogs, I was comparing. Mm. A yeah. Lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I found myself doing like, oh, that one's not quite like, oh, this one maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was doing a lot of that. Um, till eventually I was matched with a dog called Kath, um, who I sensed there was something about her that reminded me of Laura at the time when I was mm -hmm. first introduced to her. And you'll see that in the documentary when I'm working with her for the first time. And I followed that gut instinct and we looked into the family history and it turns out Laura and Kath are related. No really? way, that is yeah. amazing. <laughs> wow. 10 years down the line, who'd have thought? I mean, they're both related to the retriever line. So Laura's um, granddad is Kath's great granddad. Wow. Oh, wow. There's a little part of Laura and Kath. So yeah, that, that nice. must be really nice. Oh, that's awesome. See, Lola was donated from a private breeder as a puppy. Mm. Um, so they'll never they'll never be anyone quite like Lola. Yeah, she's a That's amazing. <laughs> you have to be what I've learned through the process is just to be um open to to your new dog, be open mm. to learning about them, and that will just allow you to bond with them better. I mean, we Kath and I are almost nine months into our partnership now. Um, and there had been little bumps in the road as they are with new partnerships. Um, but things are so much better now. Things are falling into place. Yeah. I've learned new things about her. She is different to Laura. Um, she's just quirky. She's very bright. She learns things very quickly. Uh, she's very affectionate. So it's just nice to be open, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned through the process. Um, and that's I think that's one of the things that sort of people don't necessarily mm -hmm. think about and realize is how unique obviously all the dogs are, are unique no matter how kind of they're trained um you know there's there is a such an element of personality for for every individual dog and it you know it does i mean it's it's pretty impressive you know for for mobility instructors to be able to spend some time with you some time with the dog and go right okay i think I think these two will go together. Yeah. You know, to, to think about personality and habits and lifestyle. Um, and that's, you know, that's really, it's, it's, I think it's, again, that's not really something people think a lot about and that you do see in your documentary is that kind of the seeing you with the different dogs and you sort of saying, oh, this doesn't feel right and things like that. It's something, you know, I think a lot of people just assume they just go, here you go. Here's a dog. There yeah. you go. Yeah. problem solved yeah yeah and it's so not like that is it, it there's a lot of, there's a process involved with the whole matching process um mm. and it's yeah there's a lot involved and you have to work together as a team don't you really mm. to be able to develop that independence uh work on your roots and all those kinds of things so there's a lot of hard work involved like the training um it's physically and emotionally demanding too because you're learning new things. I mean, there's a new style of training now, um, steps and a lot of positive reinforcement, which is a new thing to kind of learn. Mm -hmm. um, because with Laura, it was the the previous sort of style of training yeah. with her. So that was a whole new thing. And, but it's it's working well. I mean, I feel it's working well. Yeah. No, it's, um, it, yeah, it's, I think it's, again, it's, it was just really, it was really great to kind of have you on TV and, and having Martin Clunes there, I think, you know, helps to kind of, to, to just boost that. Um, yeah, well, it opens up the doors, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, like, it's a bit like having a, uh, an A-lister in a movie 
Yeah. They have the A-list there for a reason, so yeah. that people who wouldn't ordinarily go and watch a film about a certain subject will join, you know, go and watch the film because they're a mm. fan of the A-lister. Mm. So, um, and I know that Martin is, he is like, he, his love of animals is amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's, mm. you say that he's got a farm, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, his heart's in the right place. He's not just doing it because he's Martin Collins off the telly. He's doing it because he loves animals and he obviously felt a connection with your story, which I think is lovely. Yeah, he is one of the kindest people you ever meet. Yeah. So humble and I just feel very blessed that Laura's gone to yeah. the lovely the lovely Clunes family, really. Yeah. And he keeps in touch. So uh send oh, that's videos. Lovely, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that he I, I mean I, I, that was gonna be one of my questions actually. Do you still, you know, get the opportunity to see how Laura's doing or go and visit or anything like yeah. that? Yes, we will be visiting later on this year to see how Wonderful. she's getting on. Oh, and um, it will be a rush of emotions, I think. Like, oh, yeah. you know, um, I mean, part of the filming in June, which was one of the final pieces, uh, Laura was rehomed in April and we met went down in June as part of that. And um, we got, I remember a moment where we got out of the car thinking that she would come rushing up to me. But she greeted Kath before she greeted me. Of course. <laughs> so, like, I remember you, fairy friend. And then oh, she yeah. realised who I was. So, oh, thank <laughs> you, remember me. <laughs> it's a bit like my sister's bulldog. So I can walk into a room, sit down, and be sat down for five minutes before Bertie, the smallest bulldog, goes, oh, Lucy's over there, and then comes over for fuss. Otherwise, he's very aloof and like, yeah. I'm not bothered. Yeah, um, She's totally settled into country life. I yeah, say. absolutely. Um, but she, I'm just so happy. It's peace of mind to know she's happy and healthy and living her best life. Yeah, um, yeah. And it must be a comfort to, to you as well to know that Martin's not just doing it, like I said, because he's a celebrity and wants to, you know, nail mm. nail his colours to the mask because it's it looks good for his PR that he actually does love animals as much as he says he does as well. Oh, absolutely. He's just so genuine, so kind. And um, we're good friends now, like the yeah. family good friends. And yeah. um, I just love how, you know, I get updates from her, see how Laura's doing and she's just so happy. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And it was great to do the filming as well. Like I say, quite challenging at times, but yeah. definitely worth it. So fingers crossed for a part two. You never know. What mm. You never know. <laughs> might make, yeah, it might make a second second episode. No, it's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I still kind of have to like pinch myself with the whole experience, really. It's just extraordinary. Um, yeah. All I'd done, really, I'm a great believer in, you know, setting intentions um, and the law of attraction. I just set the intention to find Laura a lovely family that had dogs and I had never thought something like this would manifest it was mm. just uh, really beautiful mm. so many sort of divine synchronicities along the journey even with Kath so um, she's a special girl they both yeah. are <laughs> that's a really I really like that story um so now that you're kind of you know Kath's really got her feet under the table what are you guys kind of doing is has your have you got a different kind of life to the life that, I mean, I assume things must be, if not different, things are certainly a lot easier now that you're settled in with another dog versus that, you know, that, what did you say? It was two years between two dogs years. must have been really tough. 
yeah um, like yourself I had to go back to the long cane um, during that time and that was really 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 tough um, because it's not the same as having a guide dog with you Um, it takes longer to get to places it's more it's so much more work it is I came back from just short journeys just just ruined just absolutely exhausted yes it really mentally draining isn't it it's Mm. hard work Um, Mm. but I looking back now I realize okay it was an important part of keeping up with that independent side of things Mm -hmm. because in my mind I honestly thought okay it's been two years I'm gonna be at match with my new dog soon everything will be fine but it was quite the opposite because you don't realize how much confidence you've lost Mm. um, and how much fitness you've lost (laughs) (laughs) along the way Um, so you kind of have to rebuild that foundation brick by brick with your new dog Mm. um, and be very patient with the whole process as well because it's a learning for your new dog it's a different area for yourself um you have to be kind to yourself and be patient so all that perseverance is definitely worth it and at this stage now I would say it just feels wonderful to have my independence back I mean it's such a freeing feeling and Mm. Kath is so so clever she can be shown a route once and she'll remember it so um she knows about nine to ten routes now well something like that yeah yeah (laughs) so um it's brilliant I feel like I've got my fitness back now I can get back to the gym you know I can do my day-to-day stuff and now I feel I'm at a different stage to when I was when I was matched with Laura she was the right dog for me at that time and Mm. Kath is the right dog for me now so there are differences um and yeah just in a more confident place now I would say she's Mm. given me about that confidence I saw on the documentary that that you go to the gym and you work out. I um, I've been off the gym for a while because I've got my back. But I used to when I used to go with Lola to the gym when we lived um, in Leicester City. She'd sit in the back office while I was working out, and I just kind of navigate around myself. And I have as anything with Lola I have so many shocking incredible ridiculous stories about that dog including the time that she was sitting in the back office with um and somebody had to nip out and just leave her in there on her own for minutes minutes it was and they came back in and she had gotten into their bag and eaten four protein bars wow wow (laughs) (laughs) wow I mean, it's like you always say, Alice, like everybody says to you, oh, guide dogs are so clever, Alice. And you're like, yeah, but you have to remember they're also, they're also still an animal. Yeah. They're still, they're oh. still a, you know, a dog. They will still yeah. do doggy things. And yeah, uh, yeah it just it makes me laugh every oh. time you yeah. tell me a story um, like that. So. That does not surprise me. I mean, dogs would do anything to be cheeky. That's just cheeky. I mean, yeah. they all have their cheeky sides. Laura did too. There was a funny story where the old gym we used to go to, um, she'd be kept in like a little little room with a gate across it. So she mm-hmm. could see the reception. She could see people coming in and out. At the end of session, we'd take her out of there. So she came out one occasion and she disappeared. I'm like, where did you go? Disappeared into the men's changing room, came Amazing. back with tail wagging like you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, somebody once forgot to shut the office. the The office at the gym I used to go to. The um, uh, sorry, the the gym I go I've been to recently when I was with the 
first time I think it probably was when I went with Dora tried shutting her in the back office but their door um the door would only sort of close properly if you locked it and if there were people toing and froing they just didn't do that so I dropped took her harness off I took her lead off she was sitting quietly it was fine I left um I got I don't know 50 yards 50 feet away from the office door and suddenly heard what sounded like a herd of elephants as Dora came running after me like mum you forgot me hello you left me behind oh, I need bless. to go on the treadmill <laughs> I have to say when we've been like when we've got together and to do recordings or even just to have a bit of social time I am it often makes me laugh how I can be sat talking we can be recording or whatever and then all of a sudden I look down and there's just Dora's face like on my knee like can you just fuss me please um oh. yeah she's she's a fuss pot isn't she somebody really? uh described her recently as quietly demanding yes that I would I would say that <laughs> is very, correct very good description of yeah I would say as well yeah. my my sister's bulldogs who are you know, the closest thing I've actually got to a pet dog, Bertie, who is again the smallest bulldog. He, I would say, he is of the same ilk, quietly demanding, and he's just <laughs> like, "Hello, I'm here." Um, my my sister took him home after he'd been round visiting for the day, and uh, she just sent a photograph, and his face is like on my sister's neck while she's lying on the sofa. It's like, <laughs> "Don't leave me again! Don't Aww. leave me again!" <laughs> Oh, they love that, affection. The dog, the dog is ridiculous. He will climb around the back of the sofa and sit on my shoulder like a parrot. He's a bulldog. He's very heavy. <laughs> like, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. Full of character. I don't know. Uh, love it when dogs have personality. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. They're yeah. not all the same. They're so quirky in their own kind of way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. you know, when you meet dogs and they're just like a look they've got no real sort of like human personality it's kind of a little bit unnerving like <laughs> but yeah when 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 you feel like there are human on four legs it's it is quite hilarious really yeah um, but yeah and they say you can tell a lot about um uh an owner through their dog really yes, yeah absolutely like you very much so yeah <laughs> they do kind of mirror your personality don't they yeah they absolutely do and I didn't quite understand that until I actually got Laura because I'd never had a dog before no. and I was actually petrified of dogs up until that point wow really wow yeah. so as a child I was chased by a dog that triggered my fear oh, okay. um so you know after I lost my eyesight and thing I didn't really think about um applying for a guide dog um until around about 2010 uh, ish Mm -hmm. um but i had to sort of overcome that fear so mm -hmm. i had friends who had guide dogs so i spent time with them and i could yeah. see how much they'd changed their lives how much freedom they gave them and how kind and gentle the dogs were and that was a step towards helping mm -hmm. overcome that fear mm -hmm. so that put me in a better position uh when it came to be a match with my own dog really yeah yeah so uh they teach you a lot <laughs> dogs yeah no, that's um, that's a really nice story as well. That like not nice that you were scared of dogs and that you had a horrible experience. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's nice that you know that that meeting Laura and meeting other guide dogs helps you kind of get over that. I I quite often because Dora is is so gentle and sensitive. You know, she's yeah. she's not even the sort of person the sort of dog person. She's not even the sort <laughs> of dog who, unless somebody is sort of quite 
um, sort of exuberant about it. Um, you know, if it's not somebody she knows, she's not even the sort of dog who will like pull towards you if she's on the harness and you're going, oh, look at that dog. Um, Cause she's just, she's quite a cautious sort yeah, of she, slightly anxious I was gonna say, dog. I've never, I've never, re- uh, 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 actually, I was gonna say, I've never really seen Dora sort of yank you, but it's wet, uh, when she's seen, seen me occasionally, she's yeah. got a bit excited, like, oh, it's Lucy. Yeah. And then I forget she's guiding you. And I'm like, hello, Dora. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Cause she's going to pull Alice over. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, when we're like when I'm walking beside you, she doesn't sort of like she doesn't easy, get easily distracted, does she? Really, Lola would. I literally, Lola. There were times where she was guiding me, and she was looking over her shoulder to see what else was going on. <laughs> Honestly, I I think it is incredible that that dog, like that that dog made it through training. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I always think you know I've I've been I was in a lift recently. Um, and I was going, I was going up a couple of floors and the doors opened on one floor that I wasn't getting off. Of. And it was this bunch of like slightly larry teenage boys or giving yeah. them. And they came in and one of them like took a step back and was like, oh, I'm not sure there's a dog. And I was like, mate, I am more likely to bite you than this dog. Like you're <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, you know, the worst thing she's going to do is leave yellow hairs all over you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. I, it's um it's one of those things you know it's i think it's it's so fantastic everybody everybody knows how kind of well how hard guide dogs work to make those dogs as um kind of you know careful and trusted yeah careful trusted. and yeah. yeah i was gonna say polite i don't think that's quite the right right word but i don't know my my <laughs> sister-in-law is a um a dog trainer just not right. a guide dog trainer just dog trainer but she she does use words like polite and rude when her dog like gets in your face. She'll go, uh, it's rude. And he'll go, oh, sorry, sorry, I'll go over here. Sorry. <laughs> you, see, you say rude to a bulldog and he's like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> totally different characters. <laughs> it's just remarkable though. Even now I just like think how amazing it is how the, how these dogs are actually trained mm. and selected and the process they go through. Cause the dogs go through so much like from, mm when they're with their puppy raisers, that whole process being introduced to the world uh, with their fosterers, when they go to big school, they move around a lot. So it's quite yeah. Yeah. Am I right in thinking as well? They go through like, they go they go to puppy raisers and are the, are the puppy raisers the one who like get them used to like noises and familiar surroundings? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they're the they ones to, who like, take trainers. the little puppies yeah. to, to the supermarket and the noisy like places yeah. and you know get places, to, yeah. like train stations and stuff like that and then they go yeah. to proper guide dog training don't they where with where they've got people who sort of they've got a list of stuff to go through really and yeah um, i've got a new fam like i always appreciated how hard guide dogs were but I, since knowing you alice i think you get a newfound appreciation because you you sort of see it firsthand like you're my friend we go out places and things and you sort of get a newfound appreciation for oh wow they they really you know it's not like i didn't realize but you kind of go actually you see you see how much work gone into training dora um you you do get a newfound appreciation for all the work that's gone into it really the thing i always say to people is my dog knows her left from right 
Yeah. And like, exactly. I know, I know people who don't know their left from right. M- me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do that thing where you hold your hands up to them. Yeah. If it makes an L shape, if your fingers make an L shape, that's your left hand. Because <laughs> it's just my, my sense of direction is absolutely shit. Um, and it's amazing how your dog is better at the left and right than I am. I mean, it's unbelievable, really. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I've just done an L shape. Yeah, yeah, you um, see? Yeah. <laughs> I love Life that. Hack. Life hack. I'm, I'm going to share that with sighted people now. There you go. Struggle with their left and right. I learned how to do that when I was trying to when I was trying and failed to learn how to drive because I used to go into a blind panic of which way's left. I used to just hold my hands up while I got my take, hands on the take both hands going. off the wheel. No, I didn't take my hands off the wheel. Do you know what the one biggest thing was issue though? I always used to get an itchy nose and I used to be praying for a red light so I could take my hands off and scratch my nose. Because you have to hold the steering wheel and the push-pull thing for the brake and the accelerator. So if you have an itchy nose or start crying or have something in your eye, you are buggered until you get to a red light. And Jaina, you you don't know Lucy well, but she could legitimately just start crying because she's driving and is a bit stressed. Yeah. Oh, good to know. I used to have this like I used to have this concentration phase where I would drive with my tongue sticking out the whole way because I'm concentrating. Shut up! I'm concentrating. Shut up! Uh, but yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Perhaps you should invent something for that <laughs> nose, so you yeah. can do it hands free, like a, like a nail brush on a stick or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I was learning to drive for five years and then realised that I wasn't going to get no better than how I was when I left it. So I thought, do you know what? I'm leaving this. I can't do this. The best people are driven in cars anyway. Do you know what I mean? So, Oh, um, be safe driven. We'd yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you're preaching to the choir here, Luz. Yeah, yeah. Just get driven everywhere. What are your thoughts on um, driverless cars? I mean, that's something. I mean, that's developing, isn't it? Mm. So long as they, I knew they would stop if there was somebody in front of it. Mm. Um, what I don't like is, you know, electric cars—they make that noise. Mm. They don't make a brum brum noise, so you they, can't they hear it. Can't hear them. Electric yeah. cars are horrible. They're, They're terrifying. Horrible. Yeah, a Tesla actually. We were crossing a road the other day. It was a very quiet road, but a Tesla passes. I didn't even hear it. It was yep, so no. quiet. Yep. It's unnerving, wow. isn't it? I, I wonder, They're like ghost cars. It feels horrible. like they're like a ghost car, but yeah. you know yeah. they would kill you. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah, more needs to be done to to create mm. more of a noise from these. Why can't cars. they just put a brum brum noise on it? Like a there, <laughs> there is a campaign. I can't think whether it's the RNIB or possibly Guide Dogs have started a campaign to basically get people to put an intentional noise in it because obviously the people at tesla are like oh how cool is oh, this we've cool made a really noise. quiet car yeah, yeah everybody like everybody in the blind community is like um no can we can we have a nice noisy car please well even i, I mean even even me as a sighted person in a wheelchair i was in a car park the other day and i was walking with my mom and there was a there was a car behind me and i couldn't hear it my mom turned around and she said oh there's a there's a car there's a car like right behind you and i went is that like waiting to get past yeah so, like i was like oh, oh and it was an electric one it was i was just like well that's not safe is it <laughs> yeah. um yeah it's just it's real uh, it's really difficult isn't it you have to be so aware when you're crossing roads and things mm. just take your time and have to really listen out and sometimes you find like people offer to help you to cross the road 
yeah. I have noticed that and I always accept help from people you know it's yeah because you just never know when you're going to need that help mm. um, no so I do that and it's just the safest way really mm. yeah exactly yeah. yeah I I actively like I will walk a little bit further if it means I can use a signal crossing mm. yeah. rather than you know yeah. crossing somewhere where it's just a road just because at least then you know if something runs me over they're going to be tw in twice as much trouble Exactly. Because yeah. they've run a red light as well. Yeah, exactly. And there has been Belisha beacons both sides of it to go. There's a crossing here. Mm -hmm. um, but even my mom, who is an able-bodied, well, non non disabled, visually fine like person, she said, "I don't want an electric car. I don't want an electric car," because she said, "Like the di like I'd be constantly worrying about whether we're going to run out of electric." let alone the fact that it doesn't make a noise i mean i don't know like that's elon musk thinking is cool isn't it like this car doesn't make a noise it does feel like that it does feel like it's some like big boys club yeah some tech fella who's gone oh like I, let's see how quiet we can make this car yeah and not it's but it's i mean it's unfortunately it's the thing you see with a lot of new things is they go hey look at this really cool thing that we can do and then the disabled community go hey look at all the problems that you've uh you've created by changing this thing bring me in as a consultant i'll sort it for you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's really interesting you should say that because but there's also positive changes like i've noticed um the two years that i didn't have a guide dog uh, pre-covid uh, we had to guess when to get off the bus just yeah, by how yeah. the sort of bus was moving. But now I was like, oh, it's a talking bus. I'm like, this is life changing. So <laughs> it's been really positive. I know that, um, well, the bus stop I, stop I get on from, it's not a talking bus stop yet. So I'll have to wait and see how that works. Mm. Um, but I know the buses that on that route talk. Yeah. Um, but not all of them, only some of them. See, they've been it. doing it in London for years. So when I moved up from London, I don't think they were quite in when I left London in the early 2000s. But I, you know, traveling down, I can remember being, you know, in my early 20s and be like, this is really cool. I know. They, and then on the tube, they've been on the tube for like my whole life, I think. Yeah, I was going to um, say, like, I, everything talks to you in London, doesn't it? Just like... And I'm just, I was a bit like when when they just weren't on the bus. I was like, why is this not just standard everywhere all the time? Like, yeah, it's, it should be, shouldn't it? I mean, it's, it can help everybody like new people in the area. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even if you're, even if you're like non-disabled and not concentrating on what's yeah. happening, you don't want to be on the bus for any longer than you need to be, do you really? The ones on the underground are incredible as well, because they'll say, you know, this is old street, get off for, more fields or yeah, this yeah. is well, you know such and such get off for the british museum so like Which is it probably tells what you... i would need because my sense of direction is like i say crap so and they also tell you if um if it's step free oh really oh, yeah yeah they've just they've oh. like i know tfl has its problems mm -hmm. but they have cracked that one i think mm -hmm. you well, know when it TFL. works but yeah, yeah. Oh, great. I mean, the ones here at like East Midlands, they announce the stops, but they don't give any more information than that. No. That would be quite helpful. I really want to try the Metro in Birmingham just to see what that's like. But um, mm. the Metro in Birmingham is often out of use because like something's wrong with the track or something's wrong with the actual Metro bus thing. So mm. they just don't use it. Um, but I, I like the idea of a Metro is is great because and i'm like i just want to just see how accessible it is for yeah. me and my wheelchair because like trains 
they give me palpitations every time I use them. It's like, where are you, are you coming with that? Is that ramp for me? <laughs> Please don't leave me on this train. Um, that kind of thing. Whereas do you, um, Metro, do you book assistance, Lucy? Do you? I do book assistance, and uh, I have a. I don't have hatred for many people in my life, but I have hatred for one particular person who works at Birmingham New Street Station who just looks at me with disdain every time I go in and she's like have you booked assistance yes can I go on a train now please you know it's like I feel I can feel the rage building up inside me before I've even got into the train station never mind onto the platform it's just it's a real I feel like there's a it's a real kind of one of those disabled people have to make their lives fit around oh yeah processes thing Absolutely. with um that kind of like particularly long distance public transport where you know you've got a book assistance so if your train is late or if you just you know you want to go to birmingham for the day and you don't know what time you'll be home like it's a real you know you can't be there after seven o'clock because everybody's gone home so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's a real it really feels like they've that there hasn't people haven't done the the thinking of disabled people are like everybody else and would just like to be able to get on a train and not kind of worry about it or you know just just have a chill day and go shopping and come home when they're done and uh, you know one of the things we always say at work is disability is the death of spontaneity really because Mm. we have to be 45 steps ahead of everybody else and have a plan b and and a plan c just in case um we are it's like it's like we are we are very used to like planning everything with military operation and it's that is sometimes the thing that i don't think people realize until they know a disabled person and they're like oh my god i i didn't realize that you can't just get on a train and go whenever you want to or you know that kind of thing people are always a little bit shocked yeah there's a lot involved isn't it it's, yeah, it's you have to plan things and it's yeah. not until somebody who's completely unaware of your day-to-day have a chat with them and then they realize it's otherwise it's completely um something new yeah mm-hmm. in a way it's like going shopping for instance like we do we go to supermarket kath and i and the questions i get asked is oh will you be getting a taxi home then did you get a taxi here with my guide dog, I'm like no, we walk, we walk yeah, to the supermarket yeah. and back again. <laughs> yeah, and and you, you know, but as in that, you kind of have to think about like what you're going to buy. Like I, I can't do a big shop like mm. on my own with the dog. I can nip out and I can buy bread and milk, but I can't really manage anything else on top of bread and milk. Yeah, no, you know? I remember. I can remember talking to you. I think you were on your way to the supermarket on the phone and you said i can only take i can only get bread and milk really because i've got my hands full with the dog you need two hands you need two hands with the dog and i was like oh mm. i'd never never thought about that before oh well, um, you can do it you can do it without two hands i'll tell you how <laughs> <laughs> this is jana's life Anak. yeah <laughs> yeah this is a, never been shared before has, right <laughs> So Kath and I, we went to supermarket, have a really good size rucksack and we managed to get loads of stuff in there, but there was one item that wouldn't fit in there. So I had to hold a shopping bag. Normally I would use hand commands and verbal commands with her, but this time around I couldn't, I can only use verbal commands mm-hmm. and it still worked. Like oh, she yeah. followed direction, it still works. Yeah. Um, 
but I appreciate in some situations you do have to take the lead etc but um I think when you take your time with your dog and you have that um that strong bond already mm. the dog will listen um yeah I, I think she's about- Go on. Sorry. She, she sort of sensed that I needed to get home because it was a heavy rucksack. So. Yeah. <laughs> so Lola could manage, you know, just a, a, a verbal command. I would frequently walk around with coffee in one hand and um, and just, you know, lead and harness in, on, on my left. But Dora, again, it's just every dog is different. Dora gets quite, because she's a little bit anxious, she needs that we're definitely going this way. Are you sure? Yeah, are you sure, Mum? Sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I get a lot of are you sure, Mum? Particularly if I don't want to go in Costa, she's like she'll just stand there and be like, "Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to go in Costa?" And I'm go like, on, you know, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, that's exactly it." It's like, "Oh, go on, Mum. There'll be crummies on the floor." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might not want to form, but I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so di- that's so nice though. Like she's just checking, just checking, Mummy. In case yeah. you want to go in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She's very she's very like uh are we doing this this one in here today? In here today, Mum. It's she's very she's a very sweet little girl. <laughs> I love it. But it's true, like every dog is different, isn't it? And Kath mm-hmm. is the same sometimes. She's quite a um a cautious dog, for example. Like if there's a wheelie bin, um sort of on the pavement, she mm-hmm. will sort of stop to tell me there's something there. I was like, Okay, Kath forward and she's kind of looks at me again like are you sure like, are you sure yeah i 100 percent get that it's the it's, i'm going you can get a bus through their door and she's going oh i don't know about this yeah you just have to encourage them like take the lead come on find the way you sort of lead in the door i'm a little bit like that with my wheelchair I'm like i can't get through here mom's like yes you can yes you can and i'm like no i don't i don't think i and then like, i can i'm like oh yeah because i sometimes like if if i know it's completely different but if i am walking down a pavement and i see an adverse camber that goes directly into the road mm. i'm a bit like mm-hmm. i don't like that i don't want to walk down this bit like this and my mum's like you're all right you're all right but it frightens me to death because i my brain goes there's an adverse camber into that road and if you go down that road if you go into the road you're going to get run over and you're going to injure yourself so my brain's like constantly worrying about what's going to happen if i end up in the road and nine times out of ten i'm fine but it's yeah i i kind of understand why a dog might feel a bit i, say, I, I imagine that's exactly the same thought process yeah. that dora's having it's just yeah but there's a bin and if i walk past it you're gonna have to walk in the road mum, and i don't like it i don't want to bring you into the road yeah, yeah. i know yeah, yeah. so oh. i do i i do feel i do feel i, I get how that can be quite nerve-wracking for a dog who hasn't got the same thought process as a human going it's fine it's we've fine. been to the bane of my existence as well like yeah we i live around a lot of families and a lot of students and the like bin day is wednesday bins are out until like middle of the day on friday yeah. and i have very like passive aggressively blocked people's cars in with their bins wonderful Kick- i donkey kicked a bin <laughs> to try and get past it when i was out with the push chair and the dog um in the summer just donkey kicked it backwards into somebody's driveway because i was like it's been 24 hours this shouldn't be here there's somebody on your ring door that on their ring doorbell okay who's that who's that woman you're aggressively kicking kicking that bin um yeah no it, it, and it's the way that the bin men where they do empty it they sort of fling it mm. away 
They don't like park it nicely. They just fling it and go, I, yeah, that, that's fine. Leave it there. I yeah. have on more than one occasion <laughs> yelled at the students who live around the corner from us from the other side of the road because of I've been like, <laughs> because I've been like, I have to walk on this side of the road because you haven't brought your fucking bin in again. <laughs> <laughs> and every time like and it's always I I'm I wait until I'm out with both my guide dog and my baby in the push chair. So I'm yeah. like, look how vulnerable I am, look how needy and pathetic I am. And now I'm gonna gob off at you just to make it even worse. <laughs> and what kind of response do you get from them? They usually go, Oh, we're really sorry. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to my housemates and you know, it it lasts six weeks and then they start to forget again and then mm. I wait until then you have to go. It's the equivalent of me rubbing like food in my trousers to make myself look <laughs> sad and like extra disabled extra disabled <laughs> yeah. it's a saying i have like when somebody's like oh i'm really having this issue with this because of this and i'm like do you want me to go and rub biscuits in my trousers and look like i'm going to cry just to make people feel really awkward because nobody likes a crying disabled person <laughs> no matter what your disability nobody likes to make the disabled person cry you got to use that at the train station, Lucy. Yeah, you <laughs> late for work now. <laughs> I spilled coffee all over me. Accidentally on purpose. Oh, that was going to be my um, that was going to be my tactic if, if I ever went on Britain's Got Talent or anything like that. Is to just cry. Uh, if Simon Cowell said I was terrible, I was just going to stand there and like proper cry for. 25 minutes to then until he goes all right then we'll let you go and meet on deck <laughs> you can also do the after show with Stephen Mulhern it's absolutely fine off you go just oh, please wow. stop crying the joys of being different <laughs> yeah. yeah sometimes you just have to embrace that I mean it's like you have to adapt don't you and just yeah. embrace what you can do yeah and try and keep a po positive mindset as much as you can because that's mm. going to help you to live your best life really um, absolutely <laughs> i imagine that was quite a sort of something you actively had to practice jana because i know you acquired your sight loss sort of later a bit later in life didn't you yeah i was uh, 17 yeah. uh, when i lost my eyesight so i had a life-threatening allergic reaction to penicillin wow um yeah so i was prescribed penicillin to treat a fever but I had no idea I was allergic to it. Mm. Okay. Um, and within a couple of hours taking penicillin, I like blisters started to appear on my skin, my eyes, my lungs, oh, my yeah. throat. And I was rushed into hospital and diagnosed with a very rare condition called uh, Stevens-Johnson syndrome. Um, but I had the very rare uh, version of it, which is toxic epidermal necrolysis, which can be fatal. Mm. Um, so I was very fortunate to survive. So it's like, um, it's like a skin reaction sort of disease. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I was in intensive care for about 10 days, round the clock oh, care, and the blisters ruptured, left me with open wounds. Um, had to be treated as a burns victim, uh, wrapped in bandages. Yeah. And I was sort of in a semi coma state, so I, I can't really remember too much, just noises and voices around me. Mm. I was hooked up to a lot like morphine and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, when I started to sort of come around, I had to learn to walk again. Um, I still had some vision then, I was partially sighted, but the severity of the condition left me with corneal scarring and dry eyes. And right. My lashes were abrading my corneas too. Oof. 
so there was a lot of like physical yeah. trauma um but I a strange thing sort of happened I came out of it feeling like a different person like I'd been reborn um, yeah. my mindset shifted yeah I was more kind of kind of aware I felt like a different person um so I spent some time in hospital about three months sort of getting rehabilitated um eventually discharged and in the end um my skin healed but I lost my eyesight within 12 months and had major surgery to remove part of my lung as well so it left wow. me with respiratory damage mm. too and that's when like the health sort of situation started to get quite bad I was okay for a little while but part of my uh, recovery required sort of taking care of my lung health, which I didn't mm -hmm. do for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I was in and out of hospital with a collapsed lung because of it. But um, during that time, I was able to go back to college. I went to the RNIB in Loughborough. Oh, really? Um, which is where I learned uh, Braille and the long cane, assistive technology. And that was nice because I was sort of around others who were visually impaired mm -hmm. um, as well. So we kind of learning from each other. Um, and then moved on to university in 2006, where I did complementary therapies. Um, and that was an interesting time because I'd never had a visually impaired student on the course before. Mm. So I really had to kind of like educate them. This yeah. is what my needs are. Yeah. This is how I like my materials. And this did everybody course? like look at you and panic? Like, oh God, oh, <laughs> like, because when I went to college, I was the first disabled person to go to my college. Uh, and yeah. yeah, there was a there was a moment in time where I turned up for the open day to visit the college, and the the head of the college actually at the end of my visit said, "I don't think there's anything here that would suit you your needs." And as I said that, the the head at the time of the media department opened the the door to the edit suite. And when was it? I was introduced to her, and when she can come here, she'll come here and do this because I actually wanted to do photography um, at college, and uh, I couldn't get up the stairs because the dark room was up a spiral staircase, and at that time, like digital photography was not a big thing. Mm. Um, so the 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 lady who was in charge of the media department opened the door and went, "She can come here and do." media and the rest is history um <laughs> so i i owe an awful lot to uh to that lady but yeah they they, they sort of looked at me and panicked like oh I don't, how how are we going to accommodate her it was never yeah. how are we going to accommodate you lucy it was i was talked about as the third person for most mm. of the time mm. and then because i was the first one at college there was a lot of people there was a lot of conversations about me that were had when i wasn't there um so i would meet people and go oh hi lucy how are you getting on and i had no idea who this person was who was talking to me because they'd obviously like put in plans in place and things without me there um mm, so it's yeah. a very weird experience to be walking around college and go i don't know who you are but it's very nice to meet you i'm doing fine thank you um yeah, yeah they, they just went to a blind panic really excuse me oh god how did that make you feel when you sort of i mean sort of reacted that way it wasn't it was kind of like a bit of a disappointment i felt disappointed that they were they'd sort of gone oh i don't think there's anything we can do for you i was like oh because i know that 
my needs it's not a big deal when they're facilitated i am not a big deal do you know what i mean it's the it's the not even like oh i don't know what we're going to do but we'll try it's yeah. just oh, we can't win this is too hard let's just tell her we can't do anything yeah that feels like a real rejection kicking without the, even, kicking the gut really even yeah. taking any time you know i know from my like uni experiences i definitely had some terrible lecturers and some people who were not very inclusive and thought about my needs but at least on the surface most people kind of gave it a go mm -hmm. and you know you could you could see i'd walk into a lecture and you could see the the realization on someone's face that they had forgotten to print something off in a large font for me and like people would be you know grabbing uh like other students or other lecturers and go, can, you, can, you just go, can you run and just print this off for yeah us really for in that kind of whisper that's not a whisper <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um you know so you could see that kind of people people had been told and people at least had the good grace to look embarrassed when they forgot yes. um but to to be just told no outright without any consideration yeah i can imagine that was pretty shitty it um but what I really relished was the fact that the first day of my course, my media course, they said they were very open and honest and said, you know, like, like one in 10 of you. So there was like 12 of us on our course. One in one in 10 of you will probably get a job in the media industry. It's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Um, and I was like, okay, all right, well, you know, we'll see, we'll see. And I went to college, I did my two years on my national diploma, and then I did two years on HND. The, the two years on HND were horrific for, for a variety of other reasons. And I didn't have a very good time, was bullied quite a lot. Uh, but I got, I got through it by the skin of my teeth, I got through it. And after that, I got a job working for the BBC, for oh, BBC Data. Yeah. I was the only one out of my whole year group that have had got a job working in television. And I am very proud of that because we went from there's nothing we can do for you to working at the BBC. That to that takes mm. that takes some bloody guts, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I'm very proud of that. Um, yeah. So there was this level of, well, I did it, didn't I? You know? Um, <laughs> you treat them all wrong. Yeah. I love doing that. I yeah. love doing it. I love it. <laughs> being able to go don't tell me don't tell me i can't because i'll just do it anyway yeah and that's um, difficult isn't it for some people with disabilities when you're told no that rejection it yeah. really knocks your confidence yeah and you have to really work hard to pick yourself up and to realize well no i'm not gonna take no i can do this having that conversation with yourself and it's just so important to have the right people around you mm. yeah i think i think as well disabled people are often used to the word no do you know mm. what I mean? They're often used to, no, we can't do that. No. So I think a lot of disabled people think they're not even going to try in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not, they're going to go, oh, well, I, I'll just leave it because, you know, it, that's not going to be possible. Whereas I am quite open to, I want to do that. Is there any way we can do this? Like, is there any way that we can make it happen? Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm quite happy to work with people, but when people turn around and go, no, I'm sorry, there's nothing we could do. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why haven't you got a process in place? I want to go to go ape and hang from a tree for, for an hour and a half. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why can't I do that? Why? Because yeah. I'm in a wheelchair. Are you being discriminative? <laughs>
good to challenge it, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. people don't expect that. They just say, accept yeah, a no. But when you challenge, it's like, oh, okay. okay now we have to gonna, listen. She's not going to go down quietly, is she? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you should be prime minister. You should be a politician, oh. honestly. You'd be oh. great. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'd like that because I, like I like to think that everybody likes me. And if I'm a politician, <laughs> there is going to be a percentage of people that don't like me. <laughs> oh, we'll like you. Oh. <laughs> There you go. We'll be on your team. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what people think of me. No, so that's no. probably why I wouldn't get voted for. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be like, well, this is fucking nonsense. And they'd be like, I, I think you've just <laughs> alienated or like 90% of the voters with that. Your statement. campaign slogan would be, I don't care. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant oh, oh but yeah it completely can relate to that but yeah. it takes a certain sort of um mindset and attitude to push through that you have to have a tough skin yeah being you, different. you have to have to be a bit like a rhino yeah <laughs> with two horns yeah <laughs> was that something you felt like you had to kind of cultivate Jaina, or did you feel like that came out once you kind of you know had had got well and kind of were, were back on your feet and out in the world or did you you know I, I guess you know learning braille and going to the RNIB and stuff was probably quite empowering I always went to mm. mainstream schools and always felt a little bit uh sort of on the outside yeah I mean the, the lovely thing was that the RNIB worked in conjunction with mainstream mm. uh college so you were kind of around able-bodied students and things you were on their courses as well so you're kind of mixing um with those students as well mm. um but I I guess because I at that point I'd been sighted most of my life so my mindset was still quite sighted mm. um so when I did face any kind of rejection or dis discrimination it was like it was really heartbreaking at that time um but I had to learn to sort of process that and understand what was going on and speak up for myself mm. and that's one thing I'd struggle to do early days mm. but you learn through the years to not to be reactive but mm. to sort of educate people that's the best way to help them understand um an example would be um i think you touched on this lucy i, I, was, I was at the dentist a few years ago and my mum was with me and i was the patient and yeah. the receptionist was talking to my mum as if i was invisible can she uh do this uh, can you write her name down Is, does she have this does she have that and I had to really speak up and um, the receptionist was shocked. She jumped out of her chair and just left the room. <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah, I've told you. Yeah, in a yeah. way. But yeah. it's still, it, for her to hear me speak up and say, well, you can't speak to me like that. Talk to me like a normal human being. I'm the patient here. I may be visually impaired, but I'm not stupid. No. Um, I can communicate. So mm. situations like that do get you a little bit fired up um but, you uh, have but also as well i think i think there is a level of when you are in that moment as a disabled person and you think i'm gonna have to say something here yeah that moment of, of choosing to go okay uh, right and, and i've said something when yeah. the moment the the seconds before you open your mouth to say it it's quite scary because you're like yeah. you, even then you're like i don't want to make a fuss i don't want to make a fuss i don't want to make a fuss and then before you know it you've said it and you're like oh now i've said it <laughs> there's not I, I can't take what i've said back now um and i think yeah. it does take courage to go hello i'm the one you're speaking to it's mm -hmm. kind of like that in itself you can feel like the anxiety building up because you're like i don't want to make a fuss but i'm gonna have to because you have put me in a situation where yeah. this is not acceptable yeah definitely it does take courage and you do have that moment of oh my god 
should I have said that? Yeah, exactly. I've had oh, it a okay. couple of times at, at work. Um, really? So not in my yeah, not in my current job. My old job, I used to go into care homes and hospitals, um, and I always had a sighted support worker with me. And I can remember on more than one occasion, particularly people like care home managers talking to you know i get there i introduce myself mm -hmm. i explain where i'm coming from and what i'm there to do and then i say this is my support worker this is my dog um and so i'd, I'd done that i'd given them the spiel and i can remember on more than one occasion you know my <laughs> a manager asking my um support worker a question about something that she can't answer because she doesn't yeah. know my job yeah. and yeah. Holly would be would literally turn around and go, Alice, like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm not sure, Alice. Yeah. In that kind of, you know, in in a because it's the the thing that I'm almost particularly in those work situations where I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I'm thinking about work. I'm in. Yeah, work you're not mode. necessarily thinking about. I'm, I'm not trying I need, for, to, I need yeah. to educate this person because they are ignorant yeah you I'm not could. I'm not I'm not in that headspace no and so having somebody to kind of to do that remind gentle remind gentle but very mm -hmm. clear and very obvious reminding so that she you know I can certainly remember on at least one occasion her saying I'm Alice's support worker I don't do her job I don't know that's brilliant you know so that's that yeah in, it, because because you do and it it sometimes takes me aback you know mm -hmm. because i suppose for a lot of my life i've had enough sight that i can make eye contact with people i can you know i can discern when someone is and isn't looking at me or talking to me um and so i've always been mostly able to you know if someone is if if i want someone to talk to me if i'm at the dentist and i need help with writing something i look the person in the face and say i'm gonna need you to fill that form out for me yeah but you know as my site's changing and getting worse and you know i'm finding i'm finding myself in jana's situation more and more often where people do talk to the person i'm with and i sort of go i mm. it, like i say it takes me aback because mm. i'm i'm not used to it i I find myself sort of going, wait, they're not speaking to me. What's going on? And by the time it's happened, it's kind of happened. And then you're like, I don't want to shout down the corridor after no. you as you walk away. No, by the way. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. I, I became a mum last year and one of the things I am yeah. I've noticed is um if I'm out with my mum, who is in her seventies and uh the baby and you know if i've got the dog with me people um people speak to my mum about my child you know oh, they'll, they'll, and i'm sort of going um she, you know that's his that's his granny yeah um it's very clearly his granny because she's in her mm. 70s yes how does that make you feel because you're you're the mum's baby and you know everything there is to know about your child and it's like well Thankfully. if it was I've yeah. been fortunate that it hasn't been um, mm. sort of professionals. It's been random strangers in coffee shops and things like that, right. um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's frustrating, but it's a little less, you know, if it was the doctor or the dentist, I'd, I think I'd, mm. I'd be crosser personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's so shocking, isn't it? I think it's yeah. sometimes it's a lot of it is down to that person because they just don't yeah. know how to speak, don't want to say the wrong thing quite often. Mm. Um, 
just they just haven't had that exposure around people who are different mm, absolutely so um so it's frust- it, even though it's so frustrating you kind of have to step up and speak because that's the only way for them to get it yeah it is it's the only way that they'll learn um yeah but, but it's i i also i don't know about you but i get very bored of it always feeling like it's always me that has to do the the telling yeah. and the work yes yeah it's not fair it really isn't and there needs to be more education around that for people mm. um but it's just it's a it's a challenging one isn't it like every day everybody is different yeah as well but you seem to handle it really well <laughs> considering how frustrating it can be <laughs> yeah it's sometimes it's just a question of going i'll just ignore it today and i'll go home and have a gin later and complain about it <laughs> yeah oh gosh it's just um it's just a frustrating thing i mean i've ex- probably experienced it more when i'm out with somebody yeah um I had it happen more without my guide dog with me. If my mm. guide dog's with me, then it's sort of an icebreaker. Yeah. But if she's not with me, it's like, oh, okay, the person sometimes doesn't even know I'm visually impaired mm. either. So that can happen um, at times because it's not as obvious mm-hmm. without your dog. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jaina, thank you very much for joining us and, and sharing your, your story and, and your thoughts on um you know a slightly inaccessible world but it's been really nice to talk to you today oh thank you both it's been a pleasure um and thank you for having me on the show and if anyone wishes to catch up on a dog called laura it's still available on itvx um, fabulous as well it did make me cry um because i watched it within uh i think it came out within about four months of uh lola passing away so it definitely got me got me in the feelings um so yeah. a warning to anybody who's, who's <laughs> ready yeah yep. Yeah. um but it was also really like uplifting so it was really nice to to see that story um oh, jana can people follow you on the internet anywhere or is there any work or anything that you're doing that you'd like to plug yes so if people would like to connect with me um, i'm on instagram at mystery underscore jana that's m-i-s-t-r-y underscore j-a-i-n-a or on twitter at mystery jana one um and facebook at dietplex uk um i'm a nutrition consultant and a speaker as well so if you'd like any support getting healthy and fit uh just drop me an email definitely need some support with getting healthy and fit personally <laughs> but uh it's more about my inability to move now that i've got a bad hip because i'm an old lady oh, bless <laughs> you well give me a shout if you need any help thank you <laughs> thanks for inviting me on the show and um look forward to hearing the episode yes and uh if you enjoyed listening to this episode please go uh, and tell all of your friends you can also rate and review episodes on apple podcasts and spotify and that's a really good way of helping um other listeners find us and we will see you all next time bye bye Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall 
Our music was by Maisie Crunden, and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>